Unfortunately, some of us have to learn the hard way. We have to go through burnout to know how to protect yourself as much as possible from it happening again or being as bad again. Um, so I would say start to build those things into your schedule. Be proactive about it. Dr. Viv here and welcome on Reset with Dr. Viv. Today I have got Laura Briggs on. She's my guest for today. Woohoo! And Laura Briggs is a former teacher, a current entrepreneur, author, and freelancing coach. Before we get to Laura, I just want to say if you have not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, if you're not already following the podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for. Hit subscribe, hit subscribe, hit subscribe, all links in description. And if you're not already following me on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, please do. I look forward to connecting. All links are in description. Laura, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you as well for coming on. You know, it's, it's truly, truly a, a, a pleasure to have you on. So tell me, Laura, you are a former teacher. Who became an entrepreneur? Tell me all about that. I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I was in a doctoral program at the time that I took a job teaching seventh grade. I was teaching, well, I was hired to teach geography in Baltimore City Public Schools, and the school could not afford a social studies teacher for the year before or after. So they said, you need to teach these kids whatever history, geography, civics, you think they should know between elementary school mm -hmm. and high school. Um, so that was a lot of pressure. I had uh, no real support system there. I did not have a clear curriculum. It was my first year teaching, which is notoriously hard. And I was exhausted. I mean, I burned out. My body actually started to shut down um, from how long I was working, how many hours straight that I taught without a break. Lunch was kind of a joke. If I was lucky, I got to eat a couple pieces of string cheese, but that was it. Wow. And so I realized in that year that at least the way that we have education set up here in the United States, I couldn't do 20 or 30 years of that to hit retirement. And so I had to totally recalibrate and figure out what I was going to do. So I left my job and I spent a month just kind of calming down coming back to myself. And then I felt like, okay, I can jump into doing something else. Now I've kind of identified what I didn't like about teaching and how I maybe allowed myself to be pushed too hard. And so I've been working for myself since 2012. And, um, it's, it's interesting because I feel like people who are prone to burnout, it doesn't just go away because you leave one job where it was more likely to happen. So you always have to guard yourself against that coming back again. Wow. And burnout, what exactly does that look like? Because there are a lot of people, you know, people get, people get stressed even at work and, you know, have quite busy schedules and things like that. But what does burnout really look like? Oh, it's such a mix of a physical and a psychological condition. They often work together. I often felt like I had like a hollow or empty stomach. I mean, it really manifested physically for me fatigue all the time, starting to feel like you don't even care about your job or your business or whatever you're working on. You just want to sleep all day. You want to rest. You feel kind of uh, 
just drained down. You almost feel like you're dragging around extra weight with you during the day and it's, you're working slower. It's harder to do things and the motivation is kind of gone. And so it depends, you know, different people, it manifests in different ways, but there's very similar feelings around that, the fatigue, the exhaustion, the disconnect, you know, not being really clear on your connection between your passion and what you're doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And burnout can, it's something that gives you warning signs, but most people don't realize it until they are all the way in burnout. So when we look back in hindsight, you can go, you know, I knew I was working too many hours. I was working too hard, but I waited, I let that go on for two or three months and now I'm way down deep. And, and the danger with that is that it's very hard. There's an author who describes burnout as like riding a slide down into a pit and you can do things to slow how quickly you're going down the slide, but you can still end up in that pit and it's really hard to bring yourself out of it. And you know, it's so interesting because a lot of, especially for like um, career professionals or business entrepreneurs, I mean, we're ambitious, right? Everyone is walking towards that goal and just wants to keep on going and just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going and ignoring the signs most of the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're ignoring well, the signs. Well, you start to think, okay, this is hard, but I can do it. And so you fool yourself into thinking, okay, I only slept four hours a night every night this week. My body's still doing relatively okay, so I can keep pushing like this. And the thing is that your body can withstand that level of pressure for short periods of time. But if you ask it to do that over and over and over again, you're depleting your energy further and further down. And so that's the trap that I found myself falling into is I would get in and I would just go, well, this is, this is a period of stress. I have to accept it for what it is. I have to work really long hours. There's a lot going on, but I never gave myself the date by which I needed to be out of that. It was like, it wasn't like, okay, the next two weeks are going to be rough. So how can I plan around that to recover after those two weeks? Am I going to take some time off? Am I going to get rid of a couple of projects? Instead, I would just go, well, I did it for two weeks. So I'm sure I can do it for weeks three, four, five. And then you get caught in this cycle. And you know, that's so key because the, the challenge is not so much doing it for short periods, but we then feel like we're super, super humans. <laughs> And, you know, we, have, we feel like we're superhumans. And so, oh yeah, we've done this. So we move on to the next thing and we move on to the next thing without giving the body a break. And the body is not exactly a machine. Mm -mm. You know, the body is not exactly a machine. So I'm going to come back to the burnouts bit. So you were burnout mm -hmm. and you're a teacher and you identified that something isn't right. How did you then know what next to go on to? Or how did you bring, let me even start by saying, how did you, how are you able to bring yourself to even accept that? Hold on, this is not right. And it's not that I am weak. It's not that there's, you know, there's something wrong with me. It's that my body's telling me I'm overdoing it. How, how are you able to accept it and then differentiate? I think this is so hard for so many people. I was probably approaching that burnout pit for a good three months before I realized that I was in it. And for me, it showed up very physically when I was a teacher. I just started feeling sick all the time. I had stomach ulcers. I really lost my appetite. I mean, that was very weird to have like all these symptoms come out of nowhere. And eventually it got to the point where I took a couple of days off of teaching just because I did feel sick. And 
I took off one day and then I took off the next day and the third day. And the longer that I was out, I thought, I don't think I can go back. I was really trying. I, my hope in taking the time off was I'll come back rejuvenated these couple of days off. I'm going to allow my body to heal and then I can jump right back into it. And the reality was when I finally took that time to stop and breathe and realize how run down I was, it was like, you can't go back. You, you do not have it in you to go right back into where you were at. And I could see that I wasn't going to be able to change the circumstances that threw me into burnout. It was very systemic and very related to the school's culture and the lack of support there. So I was like, if, if no one's going to work with me and help me, and there's no way out of this aside from me leaving, then that's what I have to do. And it, that was a brutal experience. It was awful to feel like I was leaving my kids. When we went to my classroom to pick up my things, I'd been gone for a week at that point, And one of my students came running down the hall and yelled my name and came in and gave me the biggest hug. And I just mm -hmm. cried and cried. It was one of 110 students, right? But mm -hmm. that it became very real for me that like, this isn't just me leaving this school, this job. I've realized that I don't want to be an educator in that way. And so I'm not going to pursue this career. And so it felt like an age or an era had ended and it was so hard to accept that. And I didn't know what was next. That was hard to accept too. Wow. I mean, it takes true strength to actually even bring yourself to that point of accepting it's time for a change. Mm -hmm. You left it and you didn't know what next. Mm -hmm. What was the process of figuring out what that pivot should be? Yeah. Um, I took a month off because I was still really sick. I actually was, the doctor had put me on medication and had kind of advised me to, to walk around to relieve some of the symptoms. And so the medication made me hazy and I tripped and sprained my ankle. So now I had two <laughs> medical issues at once. And so I was, it literally took forcing me to, you cannot be on your feet. <laughs> you cannot do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took a month to just say, all right, I'm going to let my ankle heal. I've learned the lesson. Don't try to push your body too hard. My body's already run down. Let's give my ankle the month off. And then I started thinking, okay, I need to get a job to pay bills, but it doesn't, this does not have to be my be all end all job. This does not have to be something I've been questing for. I just need a position where I can pay the bills, give myself a year to figure out what I'm going to do with my time and, and what direction I want to go next with my career. So I started to get some inklings a couple of months into that period. I did take a job. I was working as a marketing associate at an insurance brokerage. And I started thinking about how much I love the creative aspect of teaching, making lesson plans, coming up with puzzles for the kids and activities. And I thought, I wonder if I can use my academic background and my love of creativity, is there something else I can do? And that's when I started a side hustle as a freelance writer. And I did that while I was in this job that it's not that my job was super easy, but it took no amount of work compared to what I had to do as a teacher. So I was, I felt like I was giving my brain a little bit of a break. I was giving my body a little bit of a break. Um, there, there just weren't as many demands on me. And I used that time to recalibrate and figure out what I was going to do next. Wow. Wow. You know, it, 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 I find that sometimes it's not the safest of places because everybody wants security. You want that. This is what I know I want to go on to next, but it doesn't always work out that way because we've got to 
will I say it's easy to sit and plan. And I'm one of those people, you know, I, I, I'm having to change my ways because initially you want to sit down and you want to analyze. These are all the things I could do. And then we have so many papers and so many papers, so many papers trying to work out when sometimes it is just giving your spare, your, yourself and your brain the freedom to navigate and find out by doing. And I think you get part of the reason you get stuck in burnout is because it's a constant cycle of being busy. And so you never actually stop to think what you want. You're just going, I have to do this project and this, and this is piling up and all of these other things. And so you never actually give your brain the space to go, okay, what do I really want to do? What do I really not like about what I'm doing? And so that for me was really hard to, to purposefully slow down and go, okay, I'm just going to think I'm going to take a year. I'm going to do this job to make sure I have my bills paid, but I'm not going to put any pressure on me about it beyond that. I'm going to figure out what my next step is. It'll come to me and I'll figure it out. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do, but it's so important. You have to get quiet. You have to stop asking your brain to do one thing after the other, because you don't know anymore what you want. You're just like, well, these are the things I do. And it's like, it's a whole separate question of, are those the things you want to do? And if you never stop and ask yourself that, you won't know. You said something there about giving your brain the space. <laughs> Many of us, like, and I know sometimes I'm guilty of that, don't know how to just, brain, okay, shut down. <laughs> don't do anything, don't think. <laughs> yes. Well, what is, what is one tip you give around that? How do people go about saying, brain, no thinking, stop? Yeah. Find an activity that you can do to slow down that's going to work for you. And so a lot of people's immediate reactions would be do meditation. I have a really hard time sitting still beyond four minutes or so. So that was never going to work. But what worked for me, I would go to our, the, we lived in a college town. I would go to the university and I would swim because under the water, there were no sounds. There were no phone interruptions. There were no conversations. It was literally just me swimming laps in the pool. And it was like, I felt like I gave myself that chance to disconnect and to really just let my brain rest and focus on one arm after the other and kicking and turn around and do the lap again. So find what's going to work for you. It could be walking. It could be journaling. It could be listening to peaceful music for 20 minutes. When you wake up, find something that's going to work for you and make it be a regular habit because you almost have to train your brain in this new way of doing things. Your brain is used to go, 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 go. Yeah. And so it's that those first couple of days, especially if you're trying something like meditation, your brain's going to go, Oh, why are we doing this? We're wasting time. There's no time for this. <laughs> so find one that's going to work that you can stick with and do little things at a time. Like with the swimming first day was like 10 laps. That's it. That's all I can probably do. Um, that's, and then you build up over time over time wow wow deep 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 i i heard you say you were doing your doctorate program as well mm -hmm. while doing a teaching <laughs> <laughs> i have my doctorate program my doctorate degree and i know how tricky that was so lady please tell me <laughs> how did that go how did you do that <laughs> 
I was insane. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I was in a night PhD program, so I would teach during the day and I would drive an hour and 20 minutes from Baltimore through Washington, D.C., down into Northern Virginia for class. Class was from 6.30 to 9.30 at night. And then I would drive that hour and 20 minutes back up home. I mean, it was, I don't know what I was thinking. And part of it too, you know, realizing that I didn't want to be an educator and you're in a doctoral program hoping to become a professor. I'm like, well, what does this mean? Like, why am I in this program? And at that point I'd come so far and it's funny because I'm still in my doctoral program. I have taken the longest, slowest road to finish because I don't want to burn myself out. So my whole committee knows my progress is going to be slow. At this point, I've done everything but writing the dissertation. Um, but it was largely in part due to the fact that I pushed myself too hard in those earlier years. I was going to class at night. I was pushing myself and, oh, don't, don't ever do that. You don't need to be a graduate <laughs> student at night and a teacher during the day and have all the responsibilities of a full-time job. No, don't do it. <laughs> but you know, it's much respect to you because sometimes we want to push and we want to go far and fast. Yeah. And it takes listening mm -hmm. to know when to step back because at the end of the day sometimes we're rushing for all things in life but the one person that you're in competition with alone is you yes you know especially when you're doing things when someone has told you there's a certain time to complete. Mm -hmm. So a doctoral program is a great example. If you see most of the people in the program finish in five or six years, then you automatically go, I have to finish in five or six years. Yeah. And I said instead, you know what? If it takes me 10, it takes me 10. Mm -hmm. And I eventually get to that finish line on my own time, but I do it in a way that is respectful to me and respectful to the fact that my professional career goals have changed. I, mm -hmm. I am finishing my PhD now for me. It's not about my job. It's because it's a goal that I've set and I, I want to take my time to get there. So don't compare yourself to other people. Or if, if someone tells you this is the time in which most people do it, or you have to do it, see if there's ways around that. Well, can that be altered? You know, is, is there any chance that we can change that for me? Because I, I already have other obligations, right? And I think that's so true. So many people have kids, they're taking care of elderly parents, they, they're doing other things. And so when you add more to your plate, ask if you can slow things down. Mm, well, and it's, like I said, it's much respect and it is vulnerability and owning that and saying, I'm not trying to you know, be first in this. I'm just trying to do what may needs, you know? So I, I think that's so powerful because I mean, as someone who's done a PhD and <laughs> I was like, what you are doing what? <laughs> wow. 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 So it, it's for you. It's for you. Yeah. And I, I think there's power in that in something you also said, because things can change. Mm -hmm. We're not very good at change you know we look at the pandemic for example many of us were not prepared for change or that goals and plans i remember talking to someone and they said to me they said i don't know what i mean i just don't know i can't plan i can't think like my whole year everything like i don't know what i'm meant to do and i don't know what i'm meant to do and i'm not dealing well and you suddenly realize how discomforting sudden change can be how did you bring yourself to accept the change and navigates the change. I gave myself permission for it to be messy. 
I, I said, it's okay if I don't figure this out today. It's okay if I don't figure it out four months from now. I will figure it out eventually. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I felt, I think I felt a lot of pressure saying, okay, I don't want to work in education anymore, but I knew that the next thing I picked might not be the right thing either. And so I, I didn't want to put that pressure on myself of, all right, well, you found out that wasn't it and you've invested a lot of time into the education field. So now you really have to get it right because you're behind the curve and you've put years into that when you potentially could have been doing something else more aligned with what you wanted. And so I gave myself time. I gave myself that year, you know, like this is what it's going to take for me to think through it. See if I like this job, what aspect of my new job do I like and not like, is there something else I want to do? And if I don't get it right the first time, that's fine. I'll eventually figure it out. I think you have to give yourself permission. And it's, it's hard because a lot of the reason that you get into burnout is wanting to control everything yes. and wanting to do, do, do all the time. You really have to let go of that control and just say, okay, I've heard the signals that I'm headed into burnout, that my body's shutting down, that I'm exhausted. So I have to like, you have to protect yourself from yourself because the tendency is going to want to be to put those same level of pressures right back on you again. Mm. So, so true. And this is something I often say to my, my, you know, my community, we've got to give ourselves permission to be imperfect. Yes. You know, because people, people tend to say like, when we come back to the whole thing around depression and, you know, mental health and all, a lot of times people think, oh, it's the weak in quotes, weak, whoever the weak ones are that get impacted by these things. But it's actually the strong people who feel like we need to keep going and keep going and keep going that are more prone to these issues. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would, you, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I think that some of us wear our ability to fight through that like a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I know it's an issue. I know I'm stressed out or I know I might be depressed or I'm physically sick from burnout, but I'm strong enough that I push through it. Mm -hmm. I show up and I keep going. And that's not something to be proud of, right? (laughs) That's not something. And and I think it sets a bad precedent, precedent for other people too, because then we lead them to think that it's not okay to take time for yourself. It's not okay to pull back. There is something wrong with you if you have anxiety and you have real trouble getting through the day because if someone else is pushing themselves through it, that can make another person who has crippling anxiety feel like, well, maybe there really is something wrong with me Mm because I can barely function with this Mm -hmm. condition. So I think it's important to think about taking care of yourself, but also the the message that you're sending to other people about that. Totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> so like when we come, like, you know, you've, you've, you've been an entrepreneur, you've, you've been a newly published author. And I think you suffered burnout again when you published your book. So tell me about the book and what happened with that. So I worked really hard to get a traditional book publishing deal. I spent a long time working with an agent to write a book proposal and pitching literary agents to take me on and having them pitch my book to publishers. And so emotionally, I had a lot invested in that process. And I really wanted my first book to be successful. So my first book is called How to Start Your Own Freelance Writing Business. And it was built on my experience of doing that for myself, taking my side hustle up to a full-time income. And what I did when that book came out a year ago was do all the things I thought I needed to do for a book launch. So I put all this pressure on myself. I didn't have enough help to do it. Um, I was balancing that while still 
essentially working full time and then trying to add this other project on top of all that, that I had to do just for me. And two weeks before that book came out, I was so tired that I thought if, if I have to talk about this book one more time, if I have to do one more task said at this point, I don't even care if it sells zero copies, I don't care. And I went, Oh no, I felt this before. <laughs> like This is not new. This is how you felt about teaching. And so the one benefit of going through it a second time was I saw it happening sooner and I realized, okay, immediately I have to take my workload down. I have to take time off. I have to be more flexible in my schedule where if I wake up on a Wednesday and I'm exhausted, I can go back to sleep if I need to. So it was really hard. I will say the second time was actually harder because the first time I was able to quit the position and walk away from the primary thing right. that was causing me the burnout. The second time around, it was me. I couldn't get around away from myself. <laughs> I had to live with her. So <laughs> I had to, I had to really be conscious of doing that same thing, pulling back, scaling down, giving myself time to think, time to just rest and time for it to be messy too and figure out what that next step was going to be. And so I think that's an important lesson for a lot of us. Burnout is not a once and done thing. There are habits that get us more likely to be in that situation already. And so you have to be aware of it and say, what am I going to do to help protect myself from that happening or to get better about recognizing the early warning signs so I can stop it then? Um, sadly, it, I mean, it's, it's more frustrating to go through it the second time because you're like, I should know better. I've been through this before, <laughs> but it happens. So. And, and, and you know, so it's, it, it, it's so interesting because it is true. The first time it was them. The second time it was your bed. Do you realize that a lot of times when it's your bit, you even walk even harder? Yes. That, <laughs> I, that's why I think it was worse. I mean, yeah. there was no one telling me I had to do all these things. It wasn't the publisher or my agent saying you need to put in 80 hour weeks. It was only me. And I started noticing that I was doing that thing of, well, the book's coming out in a month, so I can't stop now. I have to keep going. If that means I don't sleep, I don't eat well, I stop exercising, you know, all the things that help you take care of yourself and guard against burnout. When you ditch all of them and then you never stop, like it's not a good cycle. And so I, I have to agree. I w it was worse mm -hmm. because it was me and I pushed myself harder and I wanted to hold myself to a standard that no one but me had set. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like what, what sort of habits have you been that you, you know, you went through it the first time, the second time was a good thing because you identified it and you know that, you know, there's this risk because a lot of times I'm, I, I myself, you know, I want to work hard, like push, 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 you know, what sort of habits have you been developing to, will I say, help you heal and like I said, move into this new normal where you are not burning out so much. Yeah, I think I look for ways that I can build self-care into my schedule that works for me because it's one thing, you know, we were talking about meditation. That's not for everyone. Journaling is not for everyone. I knew that one of the things that was running me down is I wasn't eating well or I wasn't eating I mean, at all. And so I actually really enjoy cooking. And so one of the things I did is I signed up for um, 
one of the services that delivers all the ingredients to cook the meal with the recipe to your house and it's all in a bag. And so you still get to cook and you get to cook stuff you'd never buy at the grocery store and it's fresh vegetables. And so it became about an experience for me. It wasn't about like before I'd be like, well, let me just eat something really quick because I have five minutes. Now I'm very intentional about this is an enjoyable experience. I get to pick the meals each week. I'm eating healthier. I'm eating new foods and it's an ex it's a whole experience. And so that has been one of the things that I do. I also have my support system call me out on my problems. <laughs> my husband knows when he starts to say, wow, you're looking real tired lately. You're pushing your, I see you up in your office. You're getting up at 5 a.m. again. He'll call me on it. And then I have hired help in my business. So my online business manager will tell me, she'll say, you're doing a lot of things and I can hear how you sound and I can hear the pressure you're putting on yourself. So let's, let's talk about what we can take off your plate. Let's, let's have that conversation now. So I found that having other people just like in a nice, gentle way, warn me that I could be at the beginning of it makes me more likely to do it. Um, and make that self-care part of your schedule. If you need an hour of walking every day before you sit down at your computer, that's a non-negotiable. You do it every single day. Even if you have a big full day ahead, that is your time to be calm and to recalibrate. So make those things in your schedule and be intentional about them. Mm. And you know that you just talked about the power of accountability and it's not accountability for other people benefit it's for your benefit where you can own up to those that are working with you those that are your family and friends and say guys i am prone to this i need yes. your help keep me in check yeah yeah and tell them how they can be most effective in letting you know that because you don't like sometimes they need to say it in a nice gentle way because you are pushing yourself really hard and you are stressed out. And so you, you kind of need them. You know, my husband is great at this. He'll, he'll start to be extra sensitive and extra careful of, like how we plan our time together. And he's like, you know, if we've talked about going and doing a big event, he'll go, mm, I feel like we need to just go hiking for an hour. I'm going to change the event to hiking. And it's not because he wants to go hiking. It's because he knows we need the calm, the yeah. chill. And that's sort of my cue. When I hear things like that, I'm like, oh, he's trying to protect me from myself without saying it, without calling me out directly. And so tell people how they can most be of help and, and tell them your warning signs. So we know that in this house, me waking up super early, me not eating healthy. Those are top clues that I'm, I'm on a bad path. So be a self-expert. Yes. <laughs> be a self-expert. And there's something else that you said earlier on as well, you know, which was really key. You said, um, it, 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 well, not exactly said it this way, but it's about knowing what works for you. Because a lot of times, for, for many times we hear, oh, to get calm down, meditate, meditate. But meditation may not may work for others, may not always work in all circumstances that may not work for you. So it's about knowing what works for you. And I think that's so powerful um, to bring out because um, many people may run to meditation when yeah. the brain isn't, is not complying. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with you if that or some other tool someone suggests doesn't work. It's, it's just like that being open to trying things and go, okay, I tried that. It's really not for me. What else could I do that would help me slow down and help me feel rested and better about how things are going on a day-to-day -day basis and stick with that? So there's no one wrong way to do self-care because you have to figure out what's going to work for you. 
Wow. Laura, it has been so amazing having you on speak like this and, you know, share such valuable, drop such valuable, like, you know, things for us. If people wanted to connect with you, where can they connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the platform where I'm the most active. So you can find me at Laura Briggs on LinkedIn. Okay, nice. And the, 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 the link is also going to be in the description as well. Laura, it's been so amazing having you. And I think these are such valuable points. But before we go, actually, two, two questions. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is, yeah, there are a lot of people who are experiencing burnout right now, yeah? Even with this whole pandemic, a lot of people have heard the stories. A lot of people are walking from home and finding out that they're actually walking more from home with no break, no boundaries, Things are beginning to ease up, but it may still take some time. Some people even struggle to admit that they are experiencing what may be burnout. What do you say to these people? I think, unfortunately, some of us have to learn the hard way. We have to go through burnout to know how to protect yourself as much as possible from it happening again mm-hmm. or being as bad again. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say, start to build those things into your schedule, be proactive about it. Say, okay, if, if I just have a really busy couple of weeks at work or within the family, how can I support myself before that? And after that, and put it on the calendar. If that's a three day getaway, if that's you almost taking fake vacation and telling people you're out of the office, just so you can close your computer and have a couple days in your house or do things in the local area, do that. I mean, don't be afraid of putting that on your calendar. I think it is really hard when you work from home because your work kind of bleeds over into other areas of the house. And it's so easy to go, Oh, I just need to do one more thing or let me check and respond to that email. So one of the things that I really like to do too, is I shut my computer down every night and I close my office door and it's a very intentional trigger for my brain to, to recognize like, There is nothing so urgent that you need to come back in here again until tomorrow morning. I try to think of it just like my commute isn't in a car, but it is down a set of steps. And so once I go down those steps, I'm home. It's it's like I'm not even accessible to the office. Wow, wow, wow. And there are many people who are trying to navigate this change period, trying to also rediscover themselves, find a new purpose, pivot, you know, what do you tell them right now? Yeah, I say there's so few things that are positive about this pandemic and this time in the world. There's so much unrest and just questions and uncertainty. One of the only good things is that I think people have had a chance to slow down a little bit. They've been forced to slow down. They can't numb out by being out and about all the time. They have to be intentional about how they acquire their groceries and their medicine and how they keep their house clean and, you know, minimize their family's risk of, you know, being exposed to something. And I think that can be some of that quiet period that makes you realize that you might be headed down the road to burnout or that you're in a career you don't love. Or I've, I've, it's actually funny. I know multiple people who are moving right now because being shut in their house for three months made them realize this is not our dream house. So it's time to put it on the market. So be open to that. That's one of the very few good things about what's happening right now is that you might get some answers that you wouldn't otherwise get. And so take, take advantage of that. And figure out what you can do in your own life to change those circumstances that are triggering or stressful for you. Wow. 
Laura, you're truly inspiring and this has been such valuable um, content. Um, what can I say, guys? I hope you found this really helpful. If you haven't already, please, 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 please sign up to the, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already following me on Instagram, if you're not already, already following me on Facebook, if you're not already following me on Twitter, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I look forward to connecting with you. It's been amazing having Laura here. Please connect with Laura as well. She would love to connect with you as well. All links are in description. It's been amazing. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, everyone. And until next time, take care, stay well, and...